this point, I want to ask uh, George if you will come up. George Witten, who is also the founder, operator, organizer, and works every day at a ministry called Worthy Ministry. Yeah, okay. I'll let George introduce the ministry, but please give him a welcome. Amen. Amen. You know, I have to tell you, uh, Mayor's one of my favorite people, and I, I thoroughly enjoy the fact that his Redskins aren't doing as well as my Ravens. And so we get a chance to, to call each other and have a little bit of fun, you know. I, I find it ironic that I, I don't ever remember a quarterback breaking our leg except way back when in 1983. And the Redskins, two quarterbacks in the same year breaking their leg. I mean, I'm thinking to myself, man, what did, what did they do? Oh, it's a curse from Baltimore. Gotcha. Well, you know, look, we're in Hanukkah. And so Hanukkah has a lot of special meaning. And most people never actually dive into how deep this is. You know, when the first temple was destroyed, it was destroyed around five. 80 BC. That's when the Jews were exiled into Babylon, just as Jeremiah foretold. After seven years, just like Jeremiah foretold, they were allowed to come back, and many of them did, and they rebuilt the temple. We read this in Nehemiah 8, but they were still under foreign oppression. Now, eventually, around 322 BC, Alexander the Great comes through. He conquers the area, including Judea. Now, most people don't realize Alexander the Great was in Babylon. He says, I'm going to rebuild Babylon. And the Bible foretold it would not be rebuilt. And he dies tragically in a very, I mean, he's 33, 34 years old. And in the midst of this, the, the empire, his massive empire splits into four parts. It just so happens that Israel is right in the midst of the Syrian and the Egyptian Greek sub-empires. And they were fought heavily for the next 200 years. There's, there's battles. And eventually came under the control of the Seleucids, based in Syria. And around 171 B.C., Antiochus IV, who called him Antiochus Theos Ephenes. Now, what does that mean? It means Antiochus, the visible God. Now, the Jews, you know, they were kind of humorous, and they, they, they changed his name Antiochus Epinemes, which means Antiochus, the crazy one. So here it is, Antiochus is now in control, it's 171, now it's 168, three years later into his rule, Antiochus decides to go into the temple, he erects an, a, a statue to Zeus, he starts sacrificing pigs on the sacred altar, he starts defiling the temple, he outlaws Judaism, he outlaws anyone keeping Shabbat. He starts finding every scroll, trying to destroy every scroll, he commands that people can no longer circumcise their children, they can't eat kosher anymore. And so the Jews arise, they, they, they kick out the pagan Greeks, led by the Maccabees. The Maccabees literally means the hammer. So Judah Maccabee is, is fighting, the, this war takes on. Three years later, on the 25th of Kislev, they rededicate the temple. They rededicate the altar. Now, according to the Talmud, it is Jewish legend, that they needed to light the sacred lamp, but there was only enough oil for one day. And it took eight days to consecrate the oil. And so they start, They just said, we're going to light this in faith. And so it miraculously burns for eight days. And so now we come into the place we're at now. Why is it important for us to celebrate this feast that's not in the Bible? Well, actually it is. And it's actually in the Brit Hadashah. It's in John 10. Um, can I get this slide? 
Oh, there we go. We'll get it up and running. So John 10, 22, it says in the modern translations, and it was the Feast of Dedication. Well, the Feast of Dedication in winter is Hanukkah. So then came Hanukkah. It was winter in Jerusalem, and Yeshua was walking the temple around the Solomon Colonnade. Now, you have to understand the mindset of the Jewish people in the first century. They were being oppressed by Rome. They were already anticipating a Messiah. They were already anticipating someone to deliver them from the Romans. And Yeshua walks in. He walks into this thing and he, 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 says, he says something. Now you have to understand something. They are expecting a revolution. I mean, Hanukkah is their celebration of their deliverance from the Greeks and the pagans. And so this is what's their mindset. And so verse 24 comes. Whoops, there we go. Then a Judean leader surrounded him saying, how long will you hold us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us outright. Yeshua says something very interesting here because he says, I told you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify concerning me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. What is happening in the mindset? They are celebrating the victory over Antiochus Epitomes, the mighty, the crazy one, the guy that called himself God. And so this is the mindset. And they, the reaction would have been swift. You would have thought, this, this is a guy that's in the temple. He's declaring himself to be God. And so that's exactly what happens. So, uh, well, didn't go. There we go. Was delayed reaction. Again, the Judean leaders picked up stones to stone him. And Yeshua answered them, I've shown you many good works of my father. For which of these are you going to stone me? And the Judean leaders answered, We are not stoning you for a good work, but for blasphemy. You, though you are a man, you make yourself God. For anyone that doesn't think that Yeshua was declaring himself to be the actual visible son of God on earth. He was doing it right then and there. They were getting ready to stone him because he, he, they were saying, he was saying that he was God. And this was considered blasphemy. And according to Torah, right, you would have stoned him. That's what they thought they were observing the Torah. And so what happens here, a, this transition happens. Because then he says, Yeshua answered him. Isn't it written in your writings, I have said you are God's? If you called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scriptures cannot be broken, do you say of him, the one the Father set apart and sent in the world, you speak blasphemy because I said, I am Ben Elohim, the Son of God. If you don't do the work, if I don't do the works of my Father, don't believe me. But if I do, even if you don't trust me, trust the deeds. Then you may know, then you may come to know and continue to understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Therefore, they tried to capture him again, but he escaped out of their hands. Now, I want you to, to focus on this, this word here. Uh, let's see if I get my set apart. This word set apart. 
In Greek, it means dedicated. That's what they're celebrating. They're celebrating the, the dedication. They're celebrating the Feast of Dedication. They're celebrating Hanukkah. And he's declaring to them that he is the son has been dedicated in the temple. I mean, there is something going on. There's, there's all these things going on. And so it's during this Feast of Hanukkah, the Festival of Lights, which incidentally happens during the winter solstice, when it's the darkest in the world, that he goes forth and he declares himself the light of the world. And Yeshua said to them, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall no longer walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So during Hanukkah, the very first candle we light is the Shamash candle, the servant candle. And in the Talmud, it actually records several different events that baffled the Jewish people. And they said it was a warning for them to have Judaism without the temple. And so for 40 years, there's recorded in Talmud very strange things. And one of the strange things was that the Shamash candle wouldn't stay lit to light the candles. In the New Testament, it talks about a, an earthquake that happens at the death of Yeshua. And this earthquake rips a veil. And if you don't study history, you won't realize how big this veil was. Because we think of a veil, we think it's like a tiny curtain like this flag. Right? The veil was about 60 feet, 60 feet long, 30 feet high, and it was the width of a man's hand. Okay? It was not some small thing. It actually talks about that it took about 12 priests to assemble each square before they tied it together as they put together the veil. Now, what held this veil up was a lintel stone. Now, this lintel stone was not something small. It weighed over 30 tons. It was 60,000 pounds, right? It was not an easy cloth to, to tear, now, Jerome, the, the church father in the 4th century, writes concerning the veil that not only was the tail worn, but a great earthquake had caused the lentil of the temple to be broken in two. In fact, it seems that the breaking of the lentil was caused the veil to be torn in half from top to bottom since the, since the um, veil was hung down by the lentil. Now, most people don't realize that when the veil came down, when that lentil stone came down, the very... Hall of Judgment inside the temple could no longer be used by the Jewish people. The Sanhedrin actually talks about them being moved to the, to the streets in order to hold, have judgment. So the last recorded incident of a judgment was actually the judgment of Yeshua. Now, all of a sudden, right, the Talmud, or, uh, the Talmud discusses how the temple doors. Now, these are, not some, these are not doors like this. These are heavy, heavy doors, that all of a sudden would blow open. And so they started looking in the passages in Zechariah. And they're trying to figure out, what does this mean? And the Talmud also talks about a time when the sacrifice is no longer... It was strange for them because before this time, they would take a, a, a cow and they, the priest would just walk that cow right up. Right around 30, 30 A.D., it talks about how they had to have 10, 15, 20 priests tying ropes and dragging this thing. These bulls, I mean, they're, they're 1,200, you know, I don't know how many, I don't know how, how, but all of a sudden they wouldn't go up anymore. They were, they were, this bull was fighting to be sacrificed, right? We read how 
the town, the, there's a, 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 a legend that talks about the sacred thread outside that was hung outside during Yom Kippur. That you, the, the high priest would take two goats, one Aziel, which go into the wilderness, pushed off a cliff, and the other would go into the Holy of Holies. That, that was the goat for the Lord. Or, uh, and so what you have is a situation when, the, when Aziel, the goat, was pushed off the cliff, this thread would turn white. It stopped turning white. And then it talks about in the Talmud how all of a sudden the lot, the lot, you know, when they pulled lots for the goat, which one would be the goat for the Lord, and which one would, that all of a sudden it wouldn't show up in the right hand, which was going to be a good year. It actually showed up in the left hand straight, 40 years straight. What are the odds of that? I can, can you imagine this room being filled with quarters two feet high? Right? Two feet high. I got this room full of quarters two feet high. And I put in this room one quarter that's red. And I put it in this room in the two feet high. And I asked you to come in and pick out that quarter. You would say, well, that's ridiculous. The, the odds of that are impossible. Right? Professor... Peter Stoner wrote a book called Science Speaks, an evaluation of certain Christian evidences. And he only took eight of the 300 prophecies that Yeshua fulfilled. Only took eight. Trying to figure out the odds. Now this is a, a professor, statistician. And the number that he came up with was so big, it's such a big number, you can't put it in your calculator. And when you try to put this in imagine, you can imagine this room trying to pick out a quarter. Imagine two feet high of quarters all th- or silver dollars all throughout all of Texas. Now, no, many of you probably have never driven from one side of Texas to the other. Did you know it actually is shorter to drive to El Paso to Los Angeles than it is to drive from El Paso to the other side of Texas? It's actually a longer drive. That's, that's how long of a drive. I mean, Texas is a big state. So the faith that we have is not a blind faith. Most of the prophecy has already been fulfilled. What true faith is, is believing that the last few prophecies won't be fulfilled. I mean, that's what true faith is. And in the first century, the Jewish people missed the transition. They missed the fact, why are these things happening and not connected to the death of Messiah? And all of a sudden, we're seeing signs that we're getting ready to transition into the kingdom. In our generation, we have seen the reestablishment of the state of Israel. In Isaiah 11, it says, this is a banner to the nations. This is a sign to the nations that something's getting ready to change. Right? One of the, one of the ministries I, I support monthly is Wycliffe Bible Translators. So I get their little feedback. They expect the translation process to be finished by 2025. We're talking seven years away. that They think they'll be completely done. And the word of God will be in every single language. Can you imagine? We're, we're closer than close now. We're seeing the signs of no, right? Signs of violence everywhere. I mean, when you had Thanksgiving dinner, could you talk politics? I mean, you're almost ready to have violence in your own household, right? You have the signs of lots everywhere. Things are happening. There's signs happening all the time. One of the signs that you should talk about in Matthew 24, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel... What was Yeshua referring to? He says, look, you need to go back to Hanukkah. 
You need to go back to Hanukkah. Tomorrow, or two days from now, on the eighth day, they're getting ready to do a, a temple service. I do not know all the details. All I know is that I, I read the article. I put it up on Worthy News this week. They're not, you know, most people don't realize that two Pesachs ago, two pastors, they actually started sacrificing animals. This is a sign. It's given us an indication. And the reality is what, what Hanukkah is for is to give us courage, to remind ourselves of how the Maccabees, the hammers, right? Those that would not back down, those that went against impossible odds and said, I'm going to be the light in this world of darkness. It takes courage. You know, when you think about, when we think about, it's the, it's the times of lots. It's very easy to think of Sodom and Gomorrah. What I fear is there's another, another element happening. Ready? Lot no longer was influenced his world around him. If he had just influenced 12, or, or was it 10? If he had influenced just 10, right? Because Abraham had negotiated down. If there was just 10, Sodom and Gomorrah wouldn't have been destroyed. He allowed his society around him to silence him. He said he was vexed daily by the sin that surrounds him. We're vexed daily. Is the next sign, have we started becoming silent? Because this is when we need to be most vocal. This is when we need to recognize, hey, the light of the world has come. His name is Yeshua. It is not a blind faith. This is a faith that, that supersedes any kind of intellect. You can't even wrap your head of all the promises already fulfilled. His kingdom is coming really, really soon. See, Hanukkah is also about dedication. Right? I am the light of the world, right? He that follows me shall have the light of life. In him, right, shall be no darkness, Right? That we have to start actually doing a self-examination. Hanukkah is about rededicating your life. It's about searching yourself and continually to cleanse our temples. Because are we not the temple of the Holy Spirit? We're walking temples. And so it's this time that we also dedicate ourselves. That we actually do an inspection process. It's about making sure that we are the brightest light we can possibly be for Yeshua. It's about proclaiming the fact that he's coming really soon. If you have the light of life, won't you be just filled with his love? That's what the world needs to see. It needs to see our passionate love. The love that supersedes any kind of political debate. The love that supersedes any kind of traditions. And this love is what people will, will drive people to the Lord. So my encouragement is, hey... This festival season, this hog, this hog. Make sure your light is shining. Make sure your love is abounding. And make sure that people know who you are. You don't have to hide your light under a bushel. Don't make the sin of Lot and say, I'm not going to be. 
proclaim. Proclaim the goodness of God. Proclaim the love of God. Proclaim the fact that His Son has already come. So, Abba, Father, I ask you, Lord, that you would seal this word. I ask you, Father, that you would help us to rededicate our temples, rededicate ourselves, rededicate ourselves completely, fully, 100% to you and to what you've called us to do. Father, we want to see your kingdom come. We want to see your will be done. We ask you, Father, that you would give us fresh oil. Father, anoint us fresh and new once again, Father. I ask you, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit in a fresh way and that you would reveal all the dross, burn away all that is not of you so we can even shine brighter for you. B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen and amen.